0: I didn't do that. <laughs> That's, it's all Nikki right there. huh <laughs> pretty psyched actually coming up here today. Uh, psyched for next week that is because I ain't got to preach. <laughs> uh, but it ought to be really really awesome because Packer got a week off so that gives him two weeks to prepare a sermon. so you ain't going to want to miss that Um, got a couple disclaimers to put on here and the first one is uh, this sermon is really about being chosen and if you've got a mindset of as I'm talking about Calvinism or, or Arminianism about being predetermined then you've probably missed the point Because that is not where I'm going with this. Uh, The other one is, if you are convicted by any part of this sermon, just understand that it is completely intentional. Um, God does it to me, so you get it done to you. Uh, Realize this is, he's come after me, into my heart with this, so that's where it gets returned to the favor. Okay, how I got here, this was actually supposed to be a communion meditation a few weeks ago. And uh, I wasn't in the mood after some things that happened that morning, so I went with it another direction, and, but the funny thing was, was as I was going to pick up my mother for church that morning, I was talking to God and I was like, you know, I just feel like there's a lot more here to be said, like that you've got a lot more to work on me with this. And I, w- and I told God, I was like, I really wish you would spend some more time with me rather than do all this today. And he found a way for me not to do it that day and to spend some more time on this. Uh, the message of being chosen, uh, I find that there's a lot of false gospels around it. Like a lot. I mean, you've got your prosperity gospels, you've got your your faith gospels, uh, and most of them are sound very, very innocent at, at face value. What's the, what's the harm in praying for things, you know? But when you look at the message behind it, is oh, if you're just a good Christian, God's going to bless you, and there is a certain amount of truth to that. But the but the message that's predominant in the Bible is that you're gonna suffer for Christ. So if, if I'm teaching you that you're just gonna be blessed by following Christ, then what happens whenever you're not blessed, when things are challenging? <clears throat> I, I, was, I got to thinking about my left knee. It's bad, and until it tears the rest of the way, I'm never going to have a surgery done on it. Insurance will pay for it. No doctor will touch it. So I've come to the, you know, to the realization I just have to put up with it. I've never, I know everybody can say that, oh, God will heal you of it. And sure he will. But I've never felt him tell me to go and have somebody pray for it. I've had plenty of people pray over it and try to heal it. But I have to wonder how much they were really being called at those moments. Because it didn't happen. And I thought about this one guy who looked me dead in the face after, it did, after my knee was not healed and told me that the problem was my faith. And I remember in that moment I was so angry because I seen right through what he was doing. He was placing the blame on me whenever he was never called to pray over my knee in the first place. Why is it a problem of my faith? I didn't ask him to do it. So the problem with these false gospels is, is they seem so simple, but there's a, there's a huge cost to them. Um, which brings me to the false gospel today. Do you believe the term that I am saved by grace and grace alone? You better because it's, it's scriptural. <laughs> so you better believe it. But the problem, the false gospel in it is whenever they teach it, not as it's taught in the Bible, when they teach it as they choose to. As it's taught in the Bible, it tells me that I'm not saved by anything I do. I can't earn my way into heaven. But the way that they teach it is it doesn't matter what I do. I can do what I want because, oh, Jesus saves me. And I said the prayer. I did the dance and I got dunked under the water. So I'm good. I don't have to do anything. I'm not required anything. But that's what we're going to look at today. Um, As I go into the Scripture, uh, I'm not going to give you kind of the classic commentary on this about these people were the Pharisees or those people were this or that. I just want you to remember that, sure, this, this Scripture was spoken to the Israelites, but it's in the Bible because it's speaking to you too. Um, so the parable we're going to is the parable of the great feast. And my eyesight in the last six months has tanked, so here's the glasses. Um, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who has prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared, the bulls have, and fat and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready come to the banquet. Now, the thing that really strikes me in that first part is that we serve a God who He's not just inviting you, He's enticing you. Here's the fattened bull, here's the cattle, here's the feast, come. He's not just inviting, he's telling you, hey, this is gonna be a good time. This is, you know, I'm gonna feed you, I'm gonna treat you well. We're gonna sing, we're gonna dance, we're gonna be entertained. He doesn't just leave you, you know, saying, oh, well, come on to the party. Uh, but he's trying to convince you to come. And still yet, the people say, no, I ain't coming. Then, but the guests he invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Their daily lives were distracting them. So the little things, the ball games, work, supper—you know—all the th- little things that they were, that they found more important than going to their king's feast. Still, yet others seized his messengers, insulted them, and killed them. It's all about open, violent rebellion. Well, I've been there many, many times. (laughs) Many. The king was furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out in the street corners and invite everyone you see. See, the servants brought in everyone uh, so the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike and the banquet hall was filled with guests the good and bad alike the righteous and the unrighteous he wasn't picky about who he invited he invited everybody uh... If that doesn't convict you and you don't look at your own life, you know, about coming to church, then I don't really know what to tell you. (laughs) You don't really examine your life if you do. The good and the bad. I mean, people that we're sitting here right next to haven't given their life to God. It's talking about the righteous and the unrighteous. It's all a matter of the heart. Don't worry, you ain't got too much more of me. <laughs> um, and here we get into the chosen part. When the king came in to meet his guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. He said, friend, he asked, how is it that you, may, that you were here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And the king said to his aides, Bind his hands at his feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's a certain amount of accountability that comes into this parable. Um, It's not meant to tear us down, but to encourage us to go farther and deeper into our relationship with Christ. The simple dress code violations of our life, the false gospels, have a tendency to confuse us and to make us feel like we're safe. Uh, We have a tendency to treat our salvation like it's the equivalent of going to the gas station in your flip-flops and your jammy pants. Uh, not that I ever go to the gas station in my flip flops and my jammy pants, but uh, but I've done that many, many times in my own life where it's not what's important. Uh, over the years, I, I've 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 seen that God's convicted me more and more of that, and I do what I can to to combat against it. Uh, you know, I'm not speaking about going out and, and doing things for the Lord don't, don't get, me, get me wrong whenever you listen to this I'm talking about relationship with him I'm talking about the little things uh, I've always said desperation drove me to the Lord but I find more and more the deeper I go with him it's love that brings me back to him every day Desperation is not enough. It's through the relationship. It's through getting to know him and spending the time with him, listening to him, obeying him. I know it sounds, oh, you know, that should be easy. It's not. Um, If you feel like you're doing it, you still need to ask yourself some basic questions. Mainly, and you're all going to know that whenever I say this, it's, you know, of the Lord, not me. How do you feel when you're around him? And here, here's, here's an example. Just coming into church, I can't step in here and not know that Jesus is here. I can't step in here and not know. And whenever I step in here, I feel him, and it makes my skin prickle. Like I can feel the air on my arms stand up at times. as as crew was being baptized my stomach was turning because i could feel him even that much closer in this room when i hear his his word spoken my heart leaps out of my chest do those things happen to you because if they don't you need you need to seriously dig into the word and start spending some serious time with him this is your salvation Everything is on the line in this. This is not flip-flops and jammy pants. You've got to get dressed for this. This man comes into this feast wearing whatever he had on in the street and that's not how this is going to work. You've got to dress your salvation. It has to know Jesus. that's my question. Does your salvation know Jesus? Is, that, is your soul cry out to him first? Not last, not second. First. Are you in love with him? Because realize this is your wedding feast. This is your marriage to him. If you don't want that, he's not going to force it on you. So don't treat this like it's a trip to the gas station. Treat it like everything and your eternal life is on the line. Lord, give us the strength and the knowledge to know the difference between.